An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. I found the life that I liked and I worked toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah! Big love. My name is Elise Hard and I'm so excited to introduce you to Denise Pines, who inspires me. She has done more for women's health than any woman I know. She's an absolute delight and an inspiration. Welcome to the Uplifters Podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and you just heard Elise Hart introducing Denise Pines. So Denise describes herself as an age enthusiast, which just makes me smile every time I read or say it. She is a longtime community health advocate and a media pioneer. She is an expert in midlife wellness. She's the co-founder of T-Botanics and the founder of Wise Pause Wellness, which is a pro-aging health and education platform. And she is also a founder of the Fem Aging Project, which hosts pitch competitions with investors that addresses innovations specifically designed for women ages 40 plus. Denise is also the immediate past president of the Medical Board of California and serves on the boards of the Federation for State Medical Boards and the Osteopathic Medical Board of California. If that isn't enough, she also co-founded In the Room Productions and ended up being an award-winning filmmaker who's produced 11 documentaries. Denise, where did this particular area of focus begin? What was the context of that time for you? I think for me, what really happened in terms of getting into the, you know, sort of 40 plus perimenopause, menopause space was honestly when I got a half lash. I mean, prior to that, I have to be honest, I was not kind to my friends. Uh, So I have a spectrum of friends. And so my older group of friends who started to experience menopause, probably when I was mid-30s, they were mid-40s. And they were, you know, they're like, it's hot in here. Open up the window or or do this or or we got to go outside in the restaurant. And I was like, no, it's not hot in here. We're not going outside. No, we're not going to turn the air on. No, it's just you. And because I really didn't understand what, that kind of experience was. And, you know, my mother did not have menopausal symptoms outside of she had ended up getting heavy periods. And my mom died about 25 years ago. So I didn't have any other insight for her to tell me. I just remember her saying, oh, my my menstruation is extra heavy. So in my mind, as this kind of journey was about to bark upon me, that's what I thought. And so when I sat down at my desk one day and had a hot flash and I thought I was having a heart attack, I thought, oh, Oh my God, how can I have, I'm a runner. How can I be having heart problems, right? I just had a physical. Why didn't that get revealed in my physical? And then like, I'm fine. So I go back to working and it happens four more times before I realize I have had a heart flash. And why am I shocked? 
And I realized I'm just like all other women who enter the stage who are shocked by not knowing, by our physicians that we go to, not starting to have these earlier conversations where we hit 40 and saying to you, hey, Denise, you know, you're starting to um, enter into this next stage, this next transition in your life. And these are some of the things that you might want to look out for. One, so you don't freak out that you're having a heart attack when you're having a hot flash. And two, when they do happen, let's talk about what could be next for you. I regulate doctors. So I have access to them all. And even in that connection, it's a deficit. I always tell people, Oprah talks about menopause. Why is Oprah talking about menopause? She has the best access to the best everything. And even Oprah had bad experiences. So if Oprah has bad experiences, the rest of us, I mean, where does that really leave us, right? Right. Where do we go? I approach my health naturally. Doesn't mean I wouldn't go to, you know, a traditional doctor. Obviously, I'm in the space of traditional doctors. So it's not that I don't do that. But when it comes initially, like, what can I do first that Mother Nature made? And has kept us on the planet this long, right? And so talking with my doctor, my naturopath doctor, and he told me about this tea that he had discovered some years prior. And he had happened to have given it to me the year before. And I had it in my pantry and he said, like, go get it out your pantry and like, take it. And so first I wanted to get a sense of this menopause thing. Like, what is these hot flashes? Did something, you know, did someone stress me out? Did I eat something to cause this? You know, I'm just thinking there's a causation right there. So I recorded for five days and I actually was having severe hot flashes, meaning I was having one every hour through the night too, massively disruptive. So I recorded, I record what I'm eating, da, 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 da. And then I take this tea. And in the first five days, they reduced down to about half of the, the, flashes. And then by the 10th, 11th day, I was having maybe one a day. And I call him back and say, what is this stuff? We could just drink some freaking tea and like be relieved. Why are we suffering like this? This is nonsense. So we just sort of invested our money, went to learn from this woman who's an expert in this particular tea in Taiwan. And then we put it out on the market. And that just got me to starting to talk to women all over the entire country. And what I realized was we were all confused. We all thought we, how could we have planned for this? And we also thought we were alone. So we don't talk about it. Unless it's an obvious hot flash, you can see, I'm not sharing some of my other experiences that I'm having. I may, yeah, I'm not going to tell you my breasts are like killing me right now or that I'm experiencing dryness in my vagina, or that my hair is belling out, so you see me with a hat on all the time, or my skin is so doggone dry, you know, I feel like, like I'm gonna burst through the skin because it just feels like it needs so much moisture. But we also don't realize what happens too as we get older and what our body actually needs, because again, there's no conversation, right? So how we need more nutritious foods, so maybe I could have been eating in my 30s and 40s, like junk food or whatever. I can't eat that kind of stuff. I actually need to have food that has more nutrients in it because my cells are older. It takes more to absorb my food. So if I'm not having good food, 
and I'm having bad food, that's going to lead to chronic illness because it means that my organs aren't getting the nutrients it needs. So it's just going to start to atrophy and I'm going to get diabetes or I'm going to get hypertension and heart disease or, you know, all gout or all the other things that tend to show up in midlife. It sounds so miserable too. No, I, I want women. None of these symptoms sound exciting. No, I want women to be happy in menopause, right? Like how do we get to be in menopause happy? And I think it's resolving these symptoms. Yeah. If we can resolve these symptoms, right? Because everyone wants to like go back to normal. Well, that normal doesn't exist because our, that body doesn't exist. The, the, you know, the hormones have decreased. So it's what is the new normal that you can be at this moment? And it can be thriving. It can be exercising the way you want. It can be dancing. It can be writing that book you've been talking about. It could be, thank God the kids are gone. Now I can do what I want to do, whatever that is. These are the great years to me, right? Because you have maybe put some things on hold for yourselves. I know a lot of women, even if they're working women, they may have put like a personal hobby on hold because they just didn't have enough to give to that. And now you find yourself in that time where like, I liked arts and crafts. I want to get back to that. Or I used to paint. Right, whatever your thing is, this is your moment to come back to that. I think these are great years. And we also economically, we tend to be at the highest in our income. So we have more disposable income. We are definitely wiser by this point. We can solve problems really quick. So I think these are great years. And I want women to get to these great years and enjoy them and do the things that they really want to do. But they've got to like resolve the what's happening physically to them. Right. And I think that's what I'm hearing come through here is all of this potential, all of this joy, all this reinvention is dependent on caring for our bodies. Unfortunately, though, I think the naturopaths that you're seeing, like those aren't available to most women in America because they aren't covered by insurance. They aren't affordable even for upper middle class Americans. And so what I think is really exciting about the work that you're doing is it's translating that to scale, making it more accessible to more people because we just have a limited palette of options. And so we turn to Western science and Western medicine to answer these questions because it's what's sponsored and available to us if we're lucky enough to even have that. Yes. And, you know, access is definitely, I would definitely say menopausal solutions are definitely premium, right? Because there's just not enough of it. So it's very expensive to manufacture. Most of the people who are, you know, launching these new solutions are women. Women, we don't get enough money. We get like 4% of the venture capital money that's out there. When you look at research for women's health, can you imagine we are more than half of the society and only 4% of research dollars goes towards anything about women's health. And I'm not talking about older women's. I'm talking about period women. Women's health, it is a travesty in this country how we really deal with women. We are really second-class citizens. We don't think that because we look at other worlds and think that, yeah, those are real overt kind of second. We're second-class in hidden, right? When you pull the layer, you go, wow, 4% research dollars in women's health? you got to be kidding. So that means that men are getting all the other research dollars? Yeah, that's what that means. And guess who's making the decisions about research dollars? Men, right? 
So, I mean, you just keep going on. When you look at the medical industry, how most of the people in the medical industry, mad. And I'm not a man basher. I'm just saying that we have to, women, we have to step into these roles now, right? We have to get in because when we come into something, we bring all of ourselves. And when we bring all of ourselves, then we're able to unveil some of these things that have been preventing us from being healthier or solutions to, to be had. Why are young girls still suffering with PMS? Why? It's because there's no research. Why do women have endometriosis? There's no research, right? So they don't even know what PCOS is. And by the time a woman is diagnosed with PCOS, she typically is around almost 35. She hasn't been able to have any children. She's probably had miscarriages because you can't. You've had cysts all over your ovaries in menopause. I mean, we have hormone replacement therapy. We have bioidenticals. And then we have, you know, a lot like us, our products, natural solutions, right? So there are some choices, but women need to still get knowledge on these choices so they can make the choice for themselves. So that's what I do with an event that I do called Wise Pause Wellness. And I bring all of the experts, the natural experts, people who focus just on bioidenticals and pellets and that type of stuff. And then the traditional doctors who only do FDA approved hormone replacement therapy. So you can hear what the options are and then you can make your choice for yourself. Right. But unless you're getting access to that information, you're either going to do nothing or whatever narrow options are presented to you. Because for so long, this isn't a conversation that was even acceptable. It was a silent suffering for women. There's this real vague uncertainty about what it is, when it is, how it happens, how to deal with it. And I think how to deal with it was to just suffer in silence, right? Like that was the that was the course of action. Yeah. You know, you just get through it, grind through it. I mean, doctors tell we're so good at that as women. We can suffer. Right. And so we do. We grind through it. Just another suffering, you know, suffering moment. Just when you think the suffering is over, bam, here comes perimenopause. Another long suffering moment that can really have repercussions on the other side of that. Right. So on the now when I hit like 60 or 65, now I actually have some really serious health issues because the perimenopause years, I call them the inflamed years, were not cooled down, right? For whatever I needed. I'm 48. I need this. Yeah. So one of the things that some early research is showing is that we, we are finding that more women have Alzheimer's. Well, what people don't realize is that every time you have a hot flash, and imagine you, like me, I was having them like every hour, there's a little bit of oxygen that's not going to your brain. As the heart is pulsating so rapidly to cool this body off. And so imagine you suffer like that for 10 years with hot flashes. No, the other side, why is Alzheimer's showing up for women, right? There is factual data. There's a woman um, out of New York who has been doing this research on the, on the brain of, of women. So looking at the pre-menopause brain to the perimenopause brain to the menopause and then the post. 
And you can literally see that in perimenopause, there are parts of our brain that go turn off. Like it shows, it's like in pre-menopause, it's all red. Perimenopause turns off. Menopause, some of it comes back. Some of it comes back post, right? If some of it came back, you might still have it. So really, there is a real impact on the brain during perimenopause. Wow. Okay, so can you tell me something? On my mind, this is what's going to happen. And I've made this up for my own comfort. Certain parts of my cognitive function are going to get weaker. But in my mind, there are going to be other parts that become like magically stronger. And I'm just going to consciously and intentionally shift my energy and focus to kind of working in those areas. Like maybe my creativity and intuition get stronger, but my memorization lessons. I have this idea for myself that I'm just going to be really agile and just refocus how I spend my time and energy. Is that completely made up or do we get stronger in some areas as other areas get weaker? I think what we believe can manifest. So if that's what you believe, that is going to be your (laughs) experience. (laughs) Thank you. I do. I really do. I believe that. You know, I believe like if you tell yourself you can't do something, you can't do it. Right. Because you've already you've already put the negative pieces in play that is going to prevent you from doing that because you've told yourself and you probably told yourself the why it's not going to happen. So if you show up and, you know, believe you're going to have a happy menopause and you are very like you're very specific about how you feel your brain's going to work. Well, it's probably going to work exactly that way. I like that. Thank you, Denise. Yeah. It's something I spend a lot of time feeling frustrated about with my children. My older daughter, when she was entering teenage years, she was like, why is everyone so awful about being a teenager? Why does it have such a negative connotation? When people say something about teenagers, it's never positive. It's never about their incredible innovative capacity and their ability to learn quickly and be creative. It's about moodiness and being antisocial and mean to adults. And she's like, if you adults keep telling us that, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I was like, what an important point she just made. I think it's similar to what we're talking about, about menopause. We're only talking about the downers, right? Yeah, exactly. We're always talking about the downers. That's a, that's a good point about the observation of teenagers. And for me, when I encounter a teenager, I'm, I always tell them, these are your best years. I think what we're really saying here is that every life stage has some distinct advantages. I tell people, I am my five-year-old self. I am my 16-year-old self and my 50-year-old self. Those are all part of who I am. Sometimes I might need to be 21. I might need to be bright-eyed. And then I might need to be 50 to be cautious. No, that's such a, a beautiful perspective. And I think it's freeing. Sometimes I'll go out with my friends and I'm like, hey, I'm 28 today. And they're like, oh, okay, we're 28. <laughs> I want to join you on those days, but I also want to join you on your 88 days. I don't even know what I'm going to be like them. I'm trying to make sure that I get there 
And there's things that I'm doing, you know, now to do that. There's how I start my day. There's what I say no to, right? There's what I'm not going to let myself get frustrated about. There's how I'm going to breathe a little bit better. I want to know all the details of this because you are someone who has had access to an incredible amount of information about what works and what doesn't. So how do you start your day, Denise? I do 10 belly breaths, just laying down. If I find myself waking up thinking about something, I have a little notepad. One side is what the heck disturbed me. And the other thing is the first thing that I can do. And then really I start my day reading words of wisdom. I put my workout clothes on and I go for a run or I go to the gym. No technology, nothing. And then the day unfolds itself. But I feel like I'm controlling my mental thoughts every morning as opposed to something else controlling my thought. Okay, that, that right there. That is the inside of the day, Denise. And I think so often these big answers that we look for come down to not what we do, but what we don't do. And I heard so many beautiful things that you do. You clear out the mental clutter. You capture it in a way that allows you to process it. You put energy and attention and intention into what matters to you. But it's that one little thing you don't do that enables it, which is not connecting with technology and really preserving that space for you personally. Yeah. I've always been like that. Even when I had, um, when I ran seven companies, the guy who I worked for, he even knew don't send Denise emails or text messages early in the morning and don't send her anything after 10 o'clock. Yes. People will respect your boundaries if you give it to them. You can't waver on it. You can't say, you know, don't send me a text after, you know, 10 and then you respond because it seems like it's an emergency. Because the person who then is disrespecting your boundary is you. Exactly. 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 Just got a whole firm. Right. I would tell my whole staff, let me tell you what an emergency is so you understand what my definition of emergency is. So you need to say every time you want to call me about something that's in my window of don't call me, uh-huh. ask yourself, is the building burning? If it's right. not burning, I better not call to yeah, I was talking to a tech leader last week and he was bragging about the fact that because of his amazing systems and processes, he and his team had only had two software emergencies in 20 years. And I was like, how do you define software emergency? And he said... Well, one of them was when we were running a kidney transplant software and the software failed and the kidneys weren't going to get there. He was like, that was an emergency. Everything else isn't an emergency. We live in fight or flight because everything feels like an emergency. And so this thing that he and you are doing is truly transformative to be able to say, okay, this is, this is how I define it. I'm going to tell you clearly. This is what this boundary means. I think it's actually pretty radical. Just like with menopause, it opens up our scope of possibilities. If we have two paths to choose from, then we can make some choice. You know what I told the ladies? Look at this moment in your life as a reset, as a time to reset something, right? I, and I told them, you're going to hear a lot today. 
but check that one thing that you know, like you can reset. Maybe it's your nutrition. Maybe you know you need to reset on that. Well, focus all your attention on everyone that's talking specifically about that, right? Maybe it's about finding a movement you like. It could be just a simple walk, but look at resetting a part of yourself. Maybe you realize that you need to meditate more. You need to find a stress relief. And then what do we do self-care for our mind? What are we watching? Are we watching forensic files and murder mysteries? Don't get me wrong. I like a forensic file every once in a while. Just change your music maybe every once in a while. You'll be surprised. Listen to this podcast. Hear amazing stories. Yes. Listen to the uplifting stories on this podcast. Yes. And I have to say, one of the best benefits to me of hosting this show is that I listen to every episode four times. So I get like a deep immersion in the best wisdom of these women implanted in my brain. Am I more courageous as a result of hearing you talk about your courage today? Yes. After I hear it three more times, I'm going to be even more courageous. And so I get to infuse my life with your stories. I think if I were infusing it with stories of jealousy and division, if that's what I was surrounding myself with, I would be so much less excited to go off and be courageous and bold in my life. And I agree. And there's tons of great research to show that our environments have a massive effect on our behavior, whether it's the media we consume, the people we surround ourselves with, the stories we tell ourselves, it all becomes who we are. Denise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uplifters, head on over to www.theupliftherspodcast.com. So much more than a podcast there. We will have more excerpts from our wonderful guests today, as well as all of the incredible, inspiring women that we've interviewed, along with research, ideas, daily practices that you can bring into your own life, Uplifters. Because we, this world need you to take care of you so that we can keep rising higher together. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the Uplifters in your life and then Join us in conversation over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love. Painted water sunshine with rosemary and thyme. Dwelling up perplexing, though you find it vexing. Toss a star and hover, be your own best lover. Relish in a new prime, plant a tree in springtime. Dance with idle hindsight, bring the sun to twilight. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, lift you up, oh, lift you 
Mommy, stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peace.